Welcome to the Exploring Unschooling podcast. I'm Pam Larickia, longtime unschooling mom and author. Join me and my wonderful guests for interviews, information, and inspiration about unschooling and living joyfully with your family. You can find the episode show notes, your free introductory ebook, What is Unschooling?, and lots more information at livingjoyfully.ca. And here's the show. Hello, Explorers. I'm Pam Larickia, and this is episode number 151 of the podcast. It's the 21st of November, 2018, as I record this intro. So this week on the podcast, I have a fantastic conversation with Kim and Jason Kotecki. They are the brains and the fun behind EscapeAdulthood.com, and I'm really excited to share their work with you. We dive into their journey to unschooling, how they got into the work of fighting adultitis, how encouraging people to see their days through a more childlike lens is remarkably similar to the de-schooling that we talk about, the joy of bringing curiosity and imagination into our adult lives, how it all weaves together so beautifully with unschooling, and lots more. As a personal update, this week's adventure was going into Toronto to see Sawyer Fredericks play. I've known Sawyer's family for years, having first met his mom online in unschooling circles, and eventually we all met in person at unschooling events over the years. Many of us in the unschooling community had lots of fun cheering Sawyer on when he was on The Voice a couple of seasons ago, which he eventually won. And more trivia, my daughter Lissy ended up shooting the album cover for his first album after the show called A Good Storm. So this year, he's toured with his newest album, Hide Your Ghost. And this weekend, he finally played his first show in Toronto. Yay! We've been patiently waiting for years for him to come north. And the show was amazing. Sawyer's a wonderful singer, and the crowd was fun and supportive, so it was a really great evening. And as a community update, I want to thank everyone who has chosen to support my unschooling work like this podcast and my website through Patreon. I deeply appreciate all my patrons. Their generous support is vital to helping me freely share information and inspiration with anyone who's curious and wants to explore the fascinating world of unschooling. If you'd like to join my community of patrons and scoop up some great rewards along the way, check out the Exploring Unschooling page at patreon.com. That's p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com forward slash exploring unschooling. And now let's get to my conversation with Kim and Jason. Welcome, I'm Pam Larickia from livingjoyfully.ca, and today I'm here with Kim and Jason Kotecki. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, Pam. Thanks for having us. Oh, thank you so much for joining me. Now, Kim, I know, is a longtime listener of the podcast, apparently in the car. (laughs) (laughs) We connected a little while ago, and when I checked out the work that Kim and Jason do in the world, it was so beautifully intertwined with their unschooling lives that I reached out to ask if they'd come on the podcast to share their story. And obviously, happily, they said yes. (laughs) So to get us started, can you guys share with us a bit about you and your family? And you can take turn. Sure. So we are um, a family of five. We have three kiddos. Lucy, who is, we're coming up on birthday season, as we call it. 
we have all three kids' birthdays in three weeks. So we have Lucy, who's almost, I know, it's crazy. Lucy, who's almost 10, Ben, who's almost seven, and um, Rose, she goes by Ro, who is almost five, which is crazy. Mm -hmm. And we're a work- Fact check is confirmed. I know, yeah. <laughs> Thank you for confirming that. Um, and we're kind of a work at home family. We have a home business that we run here and we work together. Um, and we've had our business for almost 20 years. So it's crazy. We, yeah. we worked together. Um, I taught for five years. I taught kindergarten. Um, and Jason was growing the business. And then in 2005, I jumped ship and we went solo and did it for a couple of years together before Lucy came along. Mm -hmm. So we've had about, what, eight or nine years of living and married life without kids and now almost a, you know a little bit more than the same with kids so mm -hmm. it's been kind of a fun journey yeah very yeah good. oh i guess we should say what we do we are yeah. i'm a yeah. um I'm an artist and a speaker and an author kim's an author as well and and we have a message that we promote it's called escape adulthood and it's basically what we do is try to help people fight what we have dubbed adultitis which is what happens when you forget what it was like to be a kid you lose some of that curiosity um, you get burned out things like that so I go into organizations and companies and associations and and help just talk, bring that topic up give them the enemy uh, let them label it I think that uh, tends to be a really big thing is for people to be like, oh, that's what it is. And uh, just, you know, give them ideas on how to be more creative, how to uh, have a little bit less stress and more fun. And really what my secret message is, is for people to remember what's most important in life, which is usually relationships, uh, family, kids, grandkids, things like that. So um, that's kind of the ulterior motive that I have is to get people to put things in perspective. I kind of say it's a 50,000 foot view, but, um, but yeah, Kim and I together, we kind of, we, we, we are really passionate about this idea and this mission. So it's been uh, pretty cool to be able to figure out how to wait, how to make a living at it. So. Yeah, that, that's a big piece of it. And I'm really excited to dive into all sorts of aspects of it. Um, just before we get there, I'm curious how you guys along that path discovered unschooling and what your family's move to unschooling looked like once the kids joined you. I'll let you yeah. fill in the details, but I have to <laughs> that. We were talking about that it this morning little, it and it took us a while because it's funny how once you embrace something, it's like, oh yeah, I've always felt this way. And yeah, I don't know, you know, whatever, like so <laughs> common sense. But then I, I'm like, wait, when you were a teacher in the school and you always used to make fun of homeschooled people. So like how, somewhere along the line that shifted. That's like weird to remember that. I didn't make fun of that. I didn't understand that. That's, Let's a, clarify. that's a nice way to put yeah. it now. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't understand what they were all about. So, you know, being formally educated as a, a, an early childhood teacher, now I will say early childhood is a different animal than elementary and middle school and all that stuff too, because it's very play-based, right? So mm -hmm. you'll see the foreshadowing here. Less so now, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. but you know, back in 2000, it was a little bit different. Um, so yeah, when I was teaching, it was, you know, you're kind of like formally trained to not really understand homeschooling. Because By the way, that how gross is that phrase? I was formally educated. <laughs> it's like, ugh. How gross. Sounds terrible. <laughs> Not to some, you know. Well, I know. I know. I know. I know. 
so anyway, when I, you know, when I went into teaching and, you know, got into the system of the school, public schools, you know, there is definitely a divide between that mentality of systematic, organized teaching versus mentality of learning every day, lifelong learning, you know, all that. And so, um, you know, when I was teaching, it, you know, there's a couple of families who are like, oh, they have one kid, they're homeschooling and stuff. And you're just like, oh, what are they missing? You know, there's a slow mentality. So I was like ingrained big time there, you know, for five years. But as those five years progressed and I saw all the problems and challenges that systemized, organized education creates, it was very eye-opening to realize that it wasn't working, at least my experience with it, you know. And that's 25 kindergartners, all-day kindergarten, you know, seeing the, the especially the transition at the beginning of the year when kids are like, oh, goodbye, mom, and the, the you know, the attachment that gets broken and then how they evolve through the year and the attachment just, and not that it is, but it's, it's a very interesting year for that in kindergarten where a lot of kids were still at home for the most, most part. Um, and then to see it change so much and to see their behavior change, see their personalities change, yeah. to see what they, you know, are dealing with. So that process actually helped me understand of like, ah, I can't imagine putting a kid in this. Like, Well, you also had the, the experience and perspective for the kids that they went into first grade to see yeah. how quickly they transition to, I hate school. Yeah. It's like very fast because kindergarten, they like yeah. it because there's a lot of playfulness and it's not as uh, serious. Again, 20 but, years ago. Right. But right. even like, I know you talk about students that now they're in first grade, they're coming back to you and it's the parents are talking like, Oh my gosh, he hates school or whatever. So, so much more academic emphasis in first grade that then changes their perspective on school. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, which your, your, you know, different inter- interviews you do, Pam, of like when people share their experience of pulling their kids out of school, like that, I hear that in a lot of the examples people share, like it started okay, but then it kind of went downhill and that's kind of how my teaching experience went. Um, so when I jumped ship and we started, um, working together just full time, we traveled all over, Jason was speaking all over, we got a chance to travel together, just the two of us, and we got to keep evolving our message of, actually, back up one second, when I was teaching, like, we saw the busyness, I saw the busyness of the families, and what, like, current adulthood looked like. I was a very young teacher. As parents. Right. Like, when you're a parent, yeah. So, I had the opportunity to sit with parents three times a year for conferences, Mm -hmm. um, and I would just sit there and listen and, and take it all in and be like, wow, like this is so hard. You know, family after family kind of confessing almost their struggles and looking for some advice from this 23-year-old non-parent, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Isn't yeah. it funny? I'm like, I didn't know anything, you know. Um, but I just took it all in and I was processing it all. So I'd come home and we'd go for walks around Madison and talk about, and he was doing a comic strip at the time about childhood and which is what we thought was going to be your career. Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was learning about childhood from the self-discovery wonderment perspective as he was creating this comic strip. I was learning about childhood and the current state of today's society. And we just kept meshing this together and it created what we now have, which is our perspective of adultitis and what is missing in adult life, what is missing in family life. And, um, 
And so eventually when we got to the point where we're like, yeah, let's have kids and let's do this, like school wasn't really even an option. We're like, this doesn't line up with anything we believe. Like it takes away all the freedom that we've talked about that we want. But even that took a while to get to that. It did. Because really, I don't think we really talked that much about homeschooling until the, um, we, we did home birth. And the only reason we did that was because we were self-employed and didn't have any insurance. So we had to look for alternative alternative options and what was on the table. And there happened to be a birth center in Madison that was sort of like felt more like a hospital, but was actually not. And was, it was like home birthing, but not at home. And so that was like a transition for us. It was like, okay. And it was way less expensive. It was like, okay, we can do this. And, and so it was kind of like, getting our foot into the door. And then of course, once we um, did that, our first, our first one was, was there. And then the other two were home births. And so then that opened our eyes to different ways of looking at things and a lot of people there homeschool. And so it was kind of a gradual, just like exploration. Um, And I know like you've talked even for you, even after making the decision, there's been way more necessity for de-schooling for her than me because she was in the system for not even that long, but you know, college and then five years of teaching. Um, So it it was kind of a gradual thing, but again, it's funny now how it's like, Oh yeah, we've always been homeschooling and that's the way to go. And who could, why it's common sense. And it's like, yeah, that's not really how we started. And we met someone like when Lucy was like one and a half or so that was unschooling and she introduced us to that term. So as we were opening our hearts and our minds to homeschooling, that term got introduced pretty quickly. We were like, whoa, that's pretty extreme, right? Like we were like, whoa, there's the edge, you know, like there, like, there it is. The boundaries yeah. of like, okay, so schooling at home with the desks and then there's that, you know, um, <laughs> right? Right. But it introduced an openness. It put a little openness in our hearts, you know, and I actually have a journal that I reread recently. It was from like maybe four years ago. And it was like, I was making a list of what would I do if I had the courage in my life? It was like kind of the mentality of like living without regret. Yeah. Unschooling was and it was like, whoa, okay, so I have internalized this over and over and over again of like, I will regret it if we don't do it this way. Well, the other thing too is that um, we, we live in Wisconsin and we didn't know this, but it has a, it's very um, pro-homeschooling. There's been a lot of um, advocacy on behalf of the rights of homeschoolers. And so it's a very homeschool-friendly state. And the first conference we went to was, Lucy was like three or something like that. Um, three or four. And uh, they, one of the blessings was that they uh, gave ground, gave a platform for all the types of homeschooling. And there really wasn't a bias towards one or the other. So it really gave you a real opportunity to see the pros and cons of all of it. And everyone was very welcoming of everyone else's way of doing it. There was, at least I didn't pick up on any sort of judgment or anything. Yeah. But that that helped a lot because it could have easily been like, oh, this is the way everyone does it. And it wasn't that. So it really yeah. gave us permission to explore what was best for us and our family. And that, I mean, as we went through it, unschooling was like a no brainer of like, yeah, that matches our philosophy, that matches our life. And it seems like the most fun version of it. So, <laughs> <laughs> Oh, that's really cool. I really love 
it, it, it's so true. You know, once once you understand it and once it all makes sense, it feels like it's you, right? And to remember looking back <laughs> as to um, how how many little steps, little connections it took to get there. But it's mm-hmm. it's fascinating to see all the little connections and pieces along the way, isn't it? Well, and yeah. when you're faced with something that's an extreme, that, yeah. that felt extreme, yeah. it makes you ask the question, why? And I think that's one of the most valuable traits that kids have that we adults lose along the way. And we're like, why do we do it this way? Why is school set up this way? Why is this a priority for our society or whatever? And if you ask that question enough, you start to uncover what's most important to you and um, it opens up new questions. So that's that's been the process of just yeah. forcing yourself to ask why and then just go with the status quo of like, well, this is just how it is. You know? well, it and, and once you start asking you. it, once you start asking why, like you, like, you know, you were talking about you, how you got to the, how you eventually got to the home births and, and that kind of stuff. Because once you start asking, you start seeing all, all sorts of different places to ask, right? It's like, oh, well, then, but why, why do we do that that way? Oh, well, then you look over there. Why do we do that that way over and over? And, and I think that's one of the most fun things about unschooling and how we talk about it, it just becomes life or a lifestyle is because the, the, the way it helps you look at life has you questioning and learning and being curious about absolutely everything, doesn't it? Yeah, and totally. <laughs> you'll, you'll get a kick out of this, Pam. The, the number one thing we get when I hear that we're, pe- people learn that we un, you know, homeschool is like, well, she's a former teacher. Of course you can homeschool. It's okay. Like, yeah. Like, you don't know how much work I've done to undo that. <laughs> well, and that, <laughs> frankly, when you have the people that you really don't want to get into a whole discussion with, we actually just use that as like, oh, oh yeah, yeah well, she, uh, she's a former teacher, knowing that that's actually one of our biggest disadvantages. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You know, the, even, you know, how your education, et cetera, you know, that, that makes so many people comfortable. And you're right. If they're not really open to it, you, they're just looking for more comfort. You can give that to them quick and, and move on to something else that you're actually connecting with them over, right? Right. Exactly. <laughs> okay, wow. so you mentioned Escape Adulthood, and I love your website. I will put links to everything we talk about in the show notes. And, and I love your slogan. I'm just going to share that. Break free from the life you've been told to live. Create the life you were made for. And I think that describes de-schooling in a nutshell, because like we were just talking about, it's all about questioning so many of those conventional rules that we've grown up with to see if they truly make sense to us and, and whether or not they mesh with the life that we want to live, like that list you were making, Kim, you know, of, of what you w- would regret, right? So I'd love to know the story behind how you guys actually chose to focus on this work, how you got into that, Jason, and how you decided to join, Kim. Well, as Kim mentioned, it um, started with a comic strip, and the characters were based off of Kim and I. And when we were dating, I drew cartoon versions of what we looked like as kids, and they ended up on um, very heartfelt and cheap gifts (laughs) that I could make for her. 
Christmas gifts. And we poor. You know, the early days you celebrate every week anniversary. So, you know, you got to get a little creative. Um, and so it, it, it was sort of just for us. But then as we showed people drawings, people were like, oh, these are really cool. And I had the idea of turning it into a comic strip about childhood and sort of like a Peanuts slash Calvin Hobbes thing where it's sort of like you're looking in on kids without them knowing it and seeing how they uh, address life and, and how they approach it. And um, so from that, that, that kind of, I had a friend who was like, you know, you should write a book about the philosophy that goes behind this and like what you think about this. And, and that is kind of where the, it started was just kind of really paying attention to why are we adults so stressed out all the time? Why are we not, feeling fulfilled and joyful and where did that go because kids have that um and so addressing like what are the things the secrets that children have that we sort of buried or lost along the way and that that was sort of the the basis of everything and that led to giving speeches at churches and um at schools and things and um fairly early on we realized that we liked talking to the adults more than the kids and that that doesn't mean we didn't like talking to the kids, but like we, like I know Kim can talk to this, but she felt like when she was a teacher, she could really only address the kids when they were at school, but that there were a whole host of issues that if you could address the, the parents and get them to change their mindset, that would actually help the parents and the kids in the long run. And I think that's where we sort of made the decision to shift that. And it's funny, we were talking this morning about how in a lot of ways, my um, talks and our books and the things we write about is sort of like an attempt to de-school our society without them knowing it, I guess, without them being like intentional <laughs> about it. Cause it is, it is like you mentioned, it's such a connected thing, unschooling and what we talk about is it's, it's almost the exact same thing. Um, just, I suppose in a different context. And we also joke that for our kids and our family that we're trying to basically help our kids never have to escape adulthood. Like they're basically going to live a life filled with their passions and interests and just keep living it. You know what I mean? So it's almost like preventing for kids. It's like preventing the need and not that it's foolproof because adulthood follows you. You'll find them, you know, there's going to be plenty to think about, worry about plan for, and that adulting will happen, but maybe they're going to be a little bit more equipped to not have to fight it so hard like we do. Right. Yeah, to, and to recognize, <clears throat> because the messages are still all over the place, right? <clears throat> Sorry, the, yeah. the conventional messages. Um, and that's one nice thing about living this way with our children is we can discuss those messages, right? And talk about the different aspects and what, what we think about them and, and even brainstorm what the complications are and notice how they impact in our lives, but <clears throat> even when they're, you know, when they get older and they're out hanging with friends and because I remember there were so many messages that the other kids were bringing to my kids through their parents, mm. right? We could, we could tell what the other kids' parents were thinking you know, about our homeschooling. <laughs> Right. <laughs> by the comments the kids would make to my kids because they weren't comments a child would, they weren't something a child would be thinking about right in that joyful right. carefree life it's not like 
how are you going to get into college? No 12-year-old is going to ask another 12-year-old that. <laughs> Except, that's yeah. so funny <laughs> mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. obviously they'd run home and said she doesn't go to school and then you know right. the whole conversation ensued but yeah it brings the opportunity to have so many of those conversations and one of the things I found interesting as my kids have gotten older is we're there to, to help them and to have these discussions and everything be available connect it's interesting but uh, they still need to do that work themselves to understand it for themselves, to really absorb that, me- to live that that message for them, right? You know, they know yeah. what we, they know our perspective, they hear society's perspective, and then they still need to process it and figure out what they believe, right? Mm-hmm. So, so it's not even about us instilling a different way. For them, and they they have wonderful experience living it alongside living that kind of life, right? So I, and that's why it's so fascinating having conversations with them, isn't it? Because they bring yeah. such an interesting and unique perspective that is just completely all their own for each of the kids. You find that? I think it. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say it's interesting you bring that concept up because I feel like I. Possibly subconsciously, but not I hearing you said, I'm like, I think I know why I do this is like, I'm very conscious about when we talk to the kids about other people's choices of schooling, because we do have they do have cousins and friends that are in uh, traditional school of not trying to be indoctrinate, you know, like they're doing the wrong thing. And that's stupid is like to try to help them have the other side. And maybe the reason is so that then when they get older and can make their own choice, they've, they've, it's not a surprise why people choose the other thing that they can, they have a little bit of a balanced perspective, maybe that then they have more, um, more information for which to make their own decisions. Right. Exactly. And just like, I've never heard any of this stuff. And then it, then it's really like, why did my parents tell me about this? Or why didn't they, you know, then it's a little bit, Maybe more confusing or shocking. So mm-hmm. I don't know if that will help anything, but I, I do do that where we try mm-hmm. to make it. So it's like, you know, that's what works for their family. And this is what happens in school. And this is what happens for us. And, you know, yeah. trying to be as They're getting more curious as they as get older, can. you know, because yeah. they've never been to school. We've never talked to them about going to school. Like it was never like a decision with them. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is all I know. But I do see like Lucy, who's almost 10, you know, she'll make comments on different observations she makes of like, well, if I was in school, then I wouldn't have been able to do this. And it's like, we didn't feed that to her, you know? Yeah. So it's like, I see her processing it and trying to articulate her feelings about it, you know? Yeah. yeah. No, exactly. By their comments, you can see the little pieces that they're taking in and putting together for themselves and, and building their own view of, of how the world works. And that's such mm-hmm. a great point helping, we're not trying to shelter them, right? We're trying to share information about how the world works and that's a part of the world, right? And that is the way some parents choose to parent, um, the way they they choose to use the school system, et cetera, et cetera. So yeah, it's not about saying, you know, that's bad right? (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and we're trying to protect you from that, but there are definitely consequences, right? This is why we've made the choices that we've made. Mm-hmm. Right. But, you know, I also don't want to um, 
make them feel bad about any choices that they made. Right. You know, right. if in the future they make other, other kinds of choices, I will know we've come to a place where we're all making the best choices that we can in that moment. And that's what they've been doing for so many years. So they are so much more experienced at it. Right. So if they're mm -hmm. in a situation where to them, the best choice, maybe some, a choice I might not have made in the same situation, but they're not me and I trust them and, and know them to, to be able to support them. That's like another level, <laughs> right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. To even be able to support them when they're choosing things that maybe I wouldn't choose in that situation, but to know that they are, to understand that they're a unique person. And, and even once you get to know them well enough, you can see how they've come up to that choice. Mm -hmm. And yeah. you're thinking, oh, I think they're going to learn something else out of that than maybe what they're <laughs> expecting. <laughs> But that's still theirs to learn, right? Yep. So interesting. Can't learn it for them. I, I read recently in one of your books, Pam, about like the trust, is it, was it fear, trust continuum and um, the courage that it takes to ride that continuum back and forth. Of, and it, I think it has evolved in our parenting mm -hmm. in so many different ways, you know, of like, okay, so the bus, the first the first fall that the bus goes by and your kid isn't on it, right? Of like the fear trust continuum <laughs> is pretty huge, you know? I immediately regret this decision. <laughs> you know? And then it just evolves as like, okay, the time frame when everyone else is reading and your child should be reading, but they're not, right? So like there's that again, you know, it's the de-schooling. I appreciated that visual. I actually drew it in my little journal and kind of like, internalized it in a way that empowered the process of like, it takes courage. We borrowed a lot of courage from others that you see who've done it like yourself and, and whose kids are grown adults and they're functioning in society and all those <laughs> things that talk about, but it is very, very much a gift to be not the first generation of unschoolers. <laughs> well, and I was going you know? to say that the, um, borrowing courage, that was a phrase that we heard from one of our homeschool conferences from another parent who said that I, I felt like I wanted to homeschool, but I was very uncertain and very fearful, but coming here to see other parents who have been through it, either if they're, you know, 20 years into it and their kids are grown productive members of society that got into college somehow, or they're just five years along beyond where you are is the idea of like borrow courage from them until you have enough of it yourself to keep moving forward. And I think that's what your show does. I think that's, mm -hmm. you know, for anyone that's listening, that's maybe not that far along, you know, our kids, we've only been doing it for what, eight years. But if where we are compared to where you are is like, okay, that, that makes sense. They're doing it. It's working. Like I can borrow that courage mm -hmm. until I'm where they're at, you know? And I think that's a, a really huge concept when it comes to something that's different from the status quo and maybe a little scary like you talked about. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love that idea. What a great phrase. And it because it it just quickly grabs exactly what you're you're getting from that, right? Getting from hearing from people who who have had more experience and you're saying <clears throat> I like where you are. Right? And I would like to take steps in that direction and borrowing that courage from from there experience resolve you know what i mean and and using cool. that to move forward that's great yeah the cool thing is it only takes one person like when we it's like as kim yeah. said we were 
we didn't have kids. We were eight years in our marriage. We were doing our business and we were traveling. And then when Kim got pregnant, people would say, oh, I guess your traveling is over and you won't be able to do that anymore. And it was like, oh man, it's like disappointing of, we like that lifestyle. And, but we had one family who had two boys and they're like, oh, we traveled all the time when our kids were young. They were in the Grand, they walked down to the Grand Canyon when they were five years old. And like, we only needed that one person to borrow courage from to say, okay, it may not look exactly the same. It may not, they may have different circumstances, but if even one person has done it, that means it's possible. And you may have to be creative to how does it work for you, but you don't need like a whole smorgasbord of people to prove that it's possible. You just need one person to be able to borrow courage from to move forward. Oh, wow. I love that. And that's so true. It reminds me of when, um, I had just discovered homeschooling was a thing, right? I had never heard of it before. Um, so my kids were in school, um, and it, I had seen mention of it in an article written in the States. And I'm like, is this legal in Canada? I found online a forum, you know, back when they were like bulletin boards. Right. <laughs> And it was people homeschooling in Ontario and it was active as in, you know, the dates weren't years and years ago and they were doing it and that was it. It was like, boom, that's all I need. I didn't know anyone in, in real life, whatever, um, who Mm -hmm. was doing this, but I found, you know, that one place where I knew that there were really people who were doing it here. And that was just enough to give me the courage to, to do it. That's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. Wow. I think we also borrow courage from our past experiences, right? How often are you like, Oh, should we, should we be doing this? Should this, should that? And you're like, wait, 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 two years ago when I thought this, like, and then we let it go. And then it kind of like, so, oh, yeah. yeah. So you reflect back, looking back does help in the, on this unschooling journey to mm-hmm. say like, we didn't teach them how to do that and they learned it, you know, like, yeah, that, because my big thing with the being a former educator is teaching versus learning. So my, my de-schooling has been in that cycle forever. I'm like, (laughs) teaching versus like, like learning happens without teaching. Like, right. (laughs) That's been the whole like premise of schools is you teach them what they need to learn. There's a curriculum, there's a list of things. And then, you know, and um, so that's been a process. Poor Jason has had to endure many a conversation that is just me looping, you know, <laughs> of like, oh, here we go again. We're doing the exact same thing we did six months ago, you know. <laughs> yeah, that's and he's much more, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, he's I was going to say that's something I talk about quite a bit is because I found that the most valuable was to... I always like take a snapshot. Remember when you, when you see those moments happening because you'll need them later, (laughs) you know, when you finally discovered why it was they were so interested in that thing, why they were so focused on that thing or how they, you noticed that they learned that thing, right? So that you know that next time, when you're in a situation where like, why are they doing that? Why are they making those, that choice in this moment, you know, or why are they so interested in that to realize, you know what, if I have patience, just like last time, I will find out 
in the future, I, that's where <laughs> trust comes in, right? That's how you develop yeah. that trust in, um, in how it works, basically. Um, yeah. To trust that in the moments when you don't know exactly why people are doing what they're doing, you trust that um, it'll be clear later or even just that I don't even need to know exactly why, but to trust that they're still making the best choices for them just like they did last time and the time before. But yeah, you have to remember those experiences, not just, you know, toss them out or else you're going to have to learn that fresh every single time, aren't you? <laughs> the other thing that we mm -hmm. do sometimes is the, um, I don't know what you'd call it. Maybe it's like an absurd absolute. So like, <laughs> you go to the extreme with something you're afraid of. Like if it's like potty training, one of the things I'll always say is like, mm -hmm. is he going to college in a diaper? <laughs> and like, obviously the answer is no. So then maybe I don't need to worry so much that this will work out. And then we do that all the time. It's like, are they going to be 25 years old? And not know and how to tie their shoe. Not know how to right? tie their shoe. Like, no, probably yeah. not. So maybe I can give myself or him or her a little grace and a little patience and, trust that it'll work out eventually you know um i know reading is a big thing that that freaks people out a lot yeah. is like do i really believe they'll be 30 years old and illiterate no i really don't well then right. chill a little bit you know so sometimes going to the extreme of what you're so fearful of helps you realize how ridiculous it actually is yeah yeah no that's a great point Re actually digging into it instead of taking our fears and and just getting frozen with them right playing with mm -hmm. them. I love, I, I, I did that quite a bit too <laughs> <laughs> with all the things. Yeah. You know, they're, it, they're going to figure it out. It, the timeline doesn't matter. You know, when you get to that at 25, at 30, at 35, you know, they're going to, when you give them that kind of a window, they're going to have figured it out in there. It's not a big deal. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We should probably awesome. move on. Thank you for such yeah. a great conversation. <laughs> Um, okay. In your book, the escape plan slash journal, which was really cool. <laughs> you make the point that this is about reprogramming our grown up selves to see life through a different lens. And it's about becoming more childlike, right? And I love the distinction you made between childlike and childish, right? Because childish mm -hmm. is just just a judgment of children, a negative judgment of children, right? So I'd love to know some of the benefits you guys have seen from recapturing that spirit of childhood and living your grown-up lives today through that lens. Why is that? has that been such a valuable shift for you guys to make? Mm -hmm. Boy, the first thing that comes to mind for me is that one of the one of the um, eight secrets that I talk about in my first book about childhood is curiosity. And um, like, like we said, we, we were talking about this before we even had kids, before homeschooling was on the radar. And I think like bringing that spirit of curiosity back into our lives is what made us open to home birth and homeschooling and unschooling and all the things we've done. And so um, yeah, so that's just one of them. Curiosity, um, delighting in the little things is, an, is another concept that kids get excited about small things. And as we get older, it takes more and more to impress us. 
But the older I get, the more I realize the, the magic is still in the little things. Um, the, the intricacy of a snowflake, the, the smile of a baby, the, um, just the, the little things, you know, again, just to me that that's where the magic, the joy comes from is bringing back some of those childlike uh, traits. So, um, I don't know if you, what you have to add to that, but yeah, I think I you know, as we, for one second, yeah, yeah. of course yeah. you're the interviewer. <laughs> a story when you said that right the the magic and the little things around you just because lissy was visiting last week right so her and i we we had we saw the sun had had been coming up through the trees so we went outside and we kept hearing um just this little trickling noise and we noticed we went over to one of the big maple trees you know I don't know, 30, 40 feet away. And it had, it had frozen. There had been frost from overnight and the leaves were falling like Mm. rain and they weren't stopping Mm. and there was no wind. And we Mm. were fascinated. We stood under this maple tree, just looking up with the leaves falling down on us for mm. 10 minutes like after five minutes and it was still going and it was totally quiet so you could hear them all like breaking off the branch and just coming down oh. and twirling down yeah. and so i like grabbed my phone and texted mike come on out here <laughs> so he oh, came wow. out and we were just like for at least 10 15 minutes standing under that tree with the same amount of it looked like the leaves were falling but it didn't look like the tree had lost leaves. You know what I mean? It was still, it yeah. looked as full as it was just all these yellow leaves falling down on us. And oh my gosh, the joy in that moment in noticing those small things, <clears throat> it was a really special, fun time for the three of us. Just that connection and just doing that. Sorry to interrupt, but that you're uh, mentioning that. <laughs> Yeah. Well, what's neat about that, Pam, is that you had never seen something like that before. I have never experienced it like that. So like the concept of children, that's how their entire life is. You know, you take them out into the woods and they've never seen a red leaf. They've never seen you know, a caterpillar. These things that as adults, we tend to like, come on, let's go, let's go, like race by, but they're experiencing everything new. And so being childlike is that perspective of like, what is new all around us? Or maybe not new, just something we've never noticed in this way, right? Yeah. Well, and then you think about how, much, how many thousands of dollars adults spend on going to Disney World, which is the, which we love, mm-hmm. is a magical place <laughs> when you can, ex- and that's why you go is because right. you want to experience magic and you can experience well, magic just 30 feet outside your, your backyard, you know, and that being able to address that and realize that an own is, 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 is why we do what we do because we are rushing around trying to capture things that we had when we were children. And, and it's, it's not that hard to go back. You just need to stop and be mindful and intentional. That's one of our biggest things is trying to help people be more mindful and intentional about the choices they make and why they make them. The other piece of being childlike, I think, is not taking yourself too seriously. Mm. So, you know, this is something that doesn't take long to be an adult. 
you know, as you're transitioning from adolescence to adulthood, you want to take yourself more seriously. You want people to take you seriously. You want to show your independence. And, and so there's this desire to be more, you know, grown up, which is very admirable. And you're like, oh, they're finally grown up. And the whole thing is very, it makes a lot of sense why we get to be that way. Especially if you're out getting a job or out in the real world for the first time, you want to be taken seriously. And then the slippery slope of that transitions into making choices that maybe don't even align with your passions. A lot of, we have the philosophy that most schooled children, from our experience, being schooled children, don't have much opportunity to, to explore those passions. So here you are, 20, 23, and you're not sure what you want to do. Rightfully so. You never really had the, the space to explore that. So then you're kind of on this route of your 20s and you're getting more and more serious because the bills are there and more respect. School loans are piled up. And- right? Yeah. And it doesn't take long to realize that most people by age 30 are really... Panicked. Right. <laughs> you know? Panicked. And throw de- some kids in there. Panicked, depressed, like, yeah, all of it because now they're getting to the point where they realize this isn't what I wanted my life to be. This is not what I thought it was supposed to be. And, and now there's not a lot of options seemingly. seemingly. Right. Mm -hmm. So that taking yourself too seriously is a natural process that, you know, by the time you're maybe 40, 50, 60, you're starting to try to rebel against. We're trying to meet people where they're at in the, the spectrum of saying, I don't care if you're 23 and like we can keep you there in that mindset that you were in maybe 10 years ago, or if you're 45 and think there's no hope, like there, wherever you're at in that process, you can see with new eyes again and you can kind of relive that, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. It did. It's one of those things. Once, once you start to see it, you, you start to see it all over the place. Right. But once they're ready for it, mm-hmm. it, it depends on their experience, right? Where they are on their journey before it makes a connection, that first connection for them to become curious about it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. Um, and you mentioned curiosity there too, and I think that's that's such a big thing. Because um, that's what, another one of the unwritten rules, right? Is being curious and and being imaginative is another thing that's just for childhood, right? That you set aside once you start to become serious and, you know, I need to take responsibility for this and, and accomplish all those things that I'm supposed to accomplish. And I really enjoyed the story you shared um, last month in one of your newsletters and you made a great case for why curiosity and imagination are still so valuable in adulthood um, and that's something we talk about so much. I was hoping you might share that insight slash. Story. Sure. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, if, if I recall what you're thinking about, I, it, I, I remember um, when I was growing up, I had two younger brothers and I was the artsy one. My brother was the science one. And um, I always was so focused on seeing how different we were that I didn't realize that um, art and science are connected by curiosity and imagination that, the same curiosity and imagination that's in when an artist is making a painting or creating a sculpture or writing a play is there with a scientist who is trying to figure out a cure for cancer. You have to figure out like, well, what is everything we've tried? What else could we try? What if we did that? Why don't we do that? Um, when we wanted to try to figure out how to, how to go to space, it's like, okay, well, what could work? What kind of vehicle could work there? You have to, 
you have to imagine yourself being there first and then work backwards. And so, um, yeah, and I think one of the things that adults who think that imagination is for kids don't realize how much they actually use imagination in their own life, but it tends to be on the negative side. It doesn't take any kind of effort for us adults to imagine our kids growing up to be living in a van down by the river or our portfolio to be upside down or to lose everything. Like those, those worst case scenarios we can imagine as vividly as a kid could imagine a tour through Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. So to say that, you know, kids is sort of missing it. And so I, my point is why don't we use our imagination for good instead of just imagining worst case scenarios, think about, what could happen, what, what is our ideal life, and then start to work backwards and like, okay, what would be a first step to go in that direction? And one of the things I do in workshops a lot with people is I, I give them permission to imagine that they're in the land of make-believe with like Mr. Rogers. And so like if you could have the perfect life, what, anything, like don't let your imagination be limited, whether it's I win the lottery or I, you know, like I don't have to work or whatever, like I give them permission to do that. And then I, once they've spent time imagining that, and again, a lot of adults have a hard time going all in. It's like, well, that could never happen. It's like, I don't care. Just (laughs) imagine it. And I make the point that, okay, now let's get back to real world. I will acknowledge you probably aren't going to win the lottery, right? I will acknowledge like you're not probably going to achieve all of these things. But the important thing is now you know what direction to start going. Like when you're just kind of like random, it's like, this is what I want. And that's crazy, probably not going to happen, but at least is my life better if I'm halfway between where I am now and that amazing vision? Heck yeah. So now we know the steps we can start start making, but you have to use that crazy imagination to, to get there first. And when we started um, unschooling, that was part of what we did is like, what do we want our kids to become? What do we imagine them to be when they're 30 years old? And we made an entire list of what traits do we hope they have and what things do we hope we memories we make. And we realized how few of them actually have anything to do with traditional schooling or certain subjects. Facts. They're learned. things like, I want yeah. my kids to be curious. I want them to be problem solvers. I want them like to be whatever, grateful. It's like, there's no, you don't take grateful 101 in high school. Like that's you know, awesome, not a thing. Um, so part, that was, that was imagination too. Imagining like, what do we want our kids to be? And then taking it all the way back to the now being saying like, okay, well, what do we need to do? And that's what helped make unschooling an obvious choice is because, well, now we know that's the ideal. This seems to be the best path for us to get there. Mm-hmm. Such a great point. Such a great point. What a way to <laughs> open up um, just just to realize how valuable imagination can be, just to give them that permission, right? That right. Now, the other piece I wanted to touch on that that you mentioned earlier was how creativity um, is really valuable in everything, right? Whether you're a scientist, like because we conventionally just think of creative people as artists, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> but there is creativity in so much like, you know, when, when you, um, for example, math, right? That's something where, where 
growing up, we're so trained that, you know, there's no creativity. There's a right answer. There's a wrong answer. There's, there's a formula you plug your numbers into and that's that. And, and then you hear so much about, um, you know, working mathematicians where so much of it is like, that's just, just fodder. Those are like the little Lego pieces, right? To building your creation and mathematically, it's still about thinking so creatively and how you might be able to, say, represent something, right, mathematically. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. that there's, there's, I was computer programming for years. There's so much creativity in that, in how you want your code to, to work, how you want to set up the different objects, like not even just visually creative, but how... Yeah how efficient <laughs> you can make it go in the background and you know how how you can write one small piece that can be used by so many different bits of it like everything that you do has a creative piece to it and i think that's something um that we've lost along the way right that and i think that your work helps bring back that fun piece that you know work and the things that we do don't have to be black and white and uncreative and just show up, do it. And, and then you get to do all the fun stuff, right? No matter what you're doing, no matter what you love doing, no matter what you happen to be doing, even if you don't think you kind of love it, you can find so many creative and fun aspects to it. If you're open to that. And if you, if you decide that that's what you're looking for down there and you can take that. That's the next step you can take in that direction, isn't it? Yeah, I love that concept. It's weird that it's weird that we do associate certain fields as being creative and not because you're totally right about math. Um, and I think about like, well, the, most of the math we're exposed to is fundamentals, which is not necessarily creative, but neither is learning the alphabet. Like you need to learn the alphabet. That's a fundamental but then right. to write Harry Potter is <laughs> yeah. very creative. It's not fundamental. <laughs> so, uh, uh, you know, a mathematician that is at the highest level of figuring out big things, they're using the fundamentals. But the cool thing is, like you said, you, wherever you are in the spectrum, so like, you know, our daughter Lucy or even Ben now, is he's starting to learn how to read and and now he can write little stories, which are very creative using fundamentals, mm-hmm. but it's still not at the level of Harry Potter or, you know, Catcher in the Rye or whatever, but but still can be creative with the fundamentals. And for some reason, I don't know, but I, yeah, I think of math and science even as like, that's all fundamentals. It's like, no, it's really not. There's, mm-hmm. it's maybe it's just that it takes a while to get to the, to the creative stuff in some ways. But again, even in school, like doing experiments, Little kids, chemistry, like that's creative and fun and it's learning fundamentals. So anyway. One of the cool side notes of um, his speaking um, is that we get to kind of take a deep dive into different industries. Mm. Um, So he was, he recently gave a program for government accountants. Um, Engineers are very common, you know, different industries that we don't have any background personally with, but this concept applies across the way. So it's not just for healthcare and education and these more, you know, kind of human service type professions. 
but some of the more mathematical-based, scientific-based, technology-based companies and organizations need this as much as anyone, mm -hmm. right? So it's been kind of eye-opening for us, I think, to keep learning and unlearning yeah. what we've learned about this. Too. The ones who are least likely to see themselves as artists, that's part of what is trying to remind them, and actually you are still an artist, whether or not you can draw a perfect circle or a straight line. Or a stick figure, you know? Right. You know what? That's probably why your piece spoke to me so much because I took, I had to take that journey, right? Mm -hmm. From from an engineer um, to this place here. Yeah. I thought mm -hmm. I was positive I wasn't creative and, you know, mm -hmm. fun or any of those things. Those were just, just not my bailiwick. And I had accepted that. Mm -hmm. But unschooling took me on this huge journey and I, you know, started asking why and started being curious about all this stuff. So, yeah, it, it really connected with me and reminded me of that journey of finding creativity in fun and fun in, in everything. Everything. <laughs> okay. Um, from the outside looking in, absolutely. Your work encouraging people to create the life that they're made for seems to weave together so beautifully with unschooling. So I just wanted to see if, if that has actually been your experience and, and maybe some of the ways that you find that weaving into your unschooling lives. <clears throat> um, yeah, well, I, like I said earlier about the, the de-schooling the de people without them realizing it is a lot of what we do. But one of the things that I, I think about how it has kind of bled over and it's sort of a, it's sort of a selfish thing that I love about unschooling is it, it um, makes our life more fun and it allows me to learn stuff. So we, I had a couple speaking engagements in the Pacific Northwest and they were two weeks apart. And so we decided instead of me flying out there and back twice, we would just take the whole family and we, um, we spent the middle two weeks on like a little vacation. And so what was cool is one of the second week we were there, we rented a house on a, a bay um, on the Olympic Peninsula. And so one of the things we realized is that even though it felt like a lake, which we were used to, it was actually connected to the ocean and therefore the tide would come in and out. So it, and it was weird. It took us like two it's days to realize like, wait, the, the water's in a different place than it was. It was really weird. Because so, it looked just like a lake, so it just messed with your head. You so at, at dinner one night, like the kids were like asking, "Why? Why is what is the tide? How? Do, what makes that happen?" And we looked at each other like, "Oh, I, don't know. I have no idea." <laughs> so it was like, "Google, let's check this out." And then we learned about you know the moon and gravity the cycles of the moon. and the cycles of the moon. So then we looked up like what moon each of us was born under. Like was, was it a full moon or a crescent moon or whatever because we were talking about the myths that go along with full moons yeah. and you know childbirth and and we were talking about each of their births and how they how they were birthed in terms of like fast slow and what the connection was with the moon and it was yeah. really fun so just that i mean and that has become a very natural part of our life is it is we get to learn we get to be curious we and we don't feel like i think that's you know people who are uh, fearful of homeschooling is like, well, I don't, I don't know everything I need to teach them. And I think that that is what we've modeled is like, 
neither do we, and we don't have all the answers, but thankfully Google does. <laughs> like, um, the fundamentals, right? Just the facts. Right. Yeah, you know, and it's like, it's okay to not know something, right. but how do you find the answer? Because when you get out into the real world, you're not, I don't care how many years you go to school, you're not going to know everything. So the more important thing is to figure out, well, how do I get an answer and not be ashamed that I don't know it? Um, so I really like how that process of the, of the principles we talk about with our work have informed our unschooling, but have also then informed our work even more because then it helps me to see more things to talk about. And like just your concept of math being creative and, and that like, I'm like, I'm going to write a post about that and I'm going to, that's going to be something that I continue to affirm with people. So um, that, that was something I thought of was like that experience with, in the Pacific Northwest and how that kind of goes back and forth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and the coolest thing too, so we're sitting on the edge of that, you know, bay for a week, just kind of like being there as a family doing campfires, s'mores, like building relationships, which I know you talk about a lot, Pam. Um, and in the midst of it, Jason got three paintings out of it. Like he was inspired. Three different paintings came from that shoreline. Just had my sketchbook there and other well, actually will be more, but three yeah. so far that have like, that yeah. came from yeah being there. So you just don't know, you know, like the interweaving is so like we, the fact that you asked that question helps us to really look at it because it's so tight now. It's hard to even know where one begins and one ends, you yeah. know? Oh, that's such a great point. <laughs> when they, when you can't even tell, right? That's that's when you've gotten to the point where you're just living it. You're just yeah. just living it. It's it's kind of it's in your bones. It's in all your mm-hmm. cells. You're just living, learning, engaging with each other. Oh, so fun. <laughs> okay, last question. I'm really excited about this one because many listeners are definitely in the early stages of their unschooling journey and are kind of in the midst of discovering the extent of this adultitis. Did I say that right? Epidemic. I love that mm-hmm. word. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because as we, as we've been mentioning throughout this, this whole episode, you know, once you see it, you can't unsee it all of a sudden mm-hmm. start seeing its impact and its effect all around you. So to help them get started on the road to recovery, I was hoping each of you could share just something fun that they can try to do over the next few days to shake things up a bit. Yeah, we were brainstorming at breakfast. Like, which one are you going to share? There's so many good ones, right? And the escape plan journal, that's actually all online. So we'll share that, you know, that link to you for sure, Pam, because there's so many cool challenges in that Mm -hmm. um, that families do that's almost like a de-schooling book really mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. process so one of the cool ones with the holidays coming up I know everybody we talked about before the the recording started with the coziness of the winter changing you know the seasons changing you know you kind of feel like baking more so at least we do we do a lot of baking in this time of year and so Jason Not me. no no he does he does a lot eating the baking yeah. that we do okay, I'm good with that yeah <laughs> And so we got introduced to a family, and I won't make a huge story out of it, but long story short, this family had a tradition of making ugly cookies at the, the holiday time. So instead of putting, you know, the trees and the Santas and all this stuff and, and decorating them with the frosting and the perfect, you know, colored 
uh, sprinkles, they made ugly cookies. So they would take really random um, cookie cutters. Like you always talk about this, like, you know, uh, who knows anything, all the weird ones. Right. And then Dump trucks. make, yeah. yeah. And then make like really ugly frosting colors, like nasty greens and purples and blacks and, um, like and traditional Christmas black, yeah. you know, <laughs> And then basically go to town with nasty sprinkles or whatever. And, you know, what's funny is that... Halloween candy that's left over. (laughs) Right? One time we made them, we put pickles, and we just started, like, raiding the fridge. And, like, just pretzels and... Goldfish crackers. You know, cut up bananas. And um, so, I mean, kids really... This is how they would operate anyway. We just don't ever allow them to. So, as you know, the empowerment is like, let's make ugly cookies. The ugly sweater phenomenon is still happening. Let's own this and then like serve them to people or eat them ourselves and have fun with it. Um, and this can translate then to ugly cakes. Ugly cakes are a big thing for this family as well. Mm-hmm. So that's just a really easy one that kind of gets you thinking in a fresh new way. And it really, the, it, the possibilities are endless. Yeah. One of the other ones that I like is um, it's called pajama run. And it's basically after you put the kids to bed, you go into their room with like pots and pans and wooden spoons and make a big to do. And then everyone has to get up and you go into the car still in your pajamas and you go to the local ice cream place. Um, And it just, it's just a random thing. I think that being open to spontaneity is, is a big thing. And, and I think a lot of, a lot of adults are actually very creative and very um, open to fun things. The problem is that adultitis is right there to nip it, nip it in the bud and be like, Oh, that's dumb. That'll never work. What will people think? And just to, if you can give yourself permission to just go with it once or twice, like eventually you start to expand your comfort zone of, fun. And, um, it, it gives you, gives you bravery to continue doing it. I mean, one thing I, is very easy to do as I challenge you is to just go to a restaurant. Next time you go to a restaurant, like a sit down restaurant, not a fast food one, something that has like a waiter or waitress and literally order dessert first with full intention of buying a meal. You're not just, Oh, we're going to go out to get some pie. You're like, no, you're literally going to have a meal, but you order dessert first and you will be amazed at the reaction that the waiter waitress has because they're like head blows up they're like wait wait I, one wait, this wait, woman wait, almost wait. didn't allow me to do it she was like so confused but like you will it will be fun to see their reaction but there will also be a part of you that feels like a total rebel like you are just like owning life right now and it's such an easy thing you can do that expand that zone expands that yeah. zone makes you feel like you're just kicking butt and you're the man and heaven woman, forbid and you let all the kids do it like if you brought a family meal yeah i mean yeah they'll um, talk about that for decades right but that is that's a total easy thing that you can do and it's amazing to see what comes out of it okay those two are awesome <laughs> and <laughs> so i challenge Everybody, as they're listening, watching, whatever, please try to do one, two of these things. And we'll share the links to your website even more. And, and come in the comments and let us know what you've done and, and how it worked out for you. I can just bet those sound like so much fun. Like the, the, the cookies, I can just see, you know, having so much fun all together as a family 
just like mm-hmm. trying to see who can make the most disgusting looking cookie. Right. And mm-hmm. I'm just imagining the waiter, or the waitress's reaction. Like that is going to be classic when you yeah. go and order dessert first. That's amazing. Yeah. Oh, thank you it's so, so cool, much. None for of coming. This is, oh, go ahead. It's not ahead. like rocket science, right? Like mm-hmm. it's so simple. It's just intentional. Yeah. Nail- is you know yeah and i know i mean i know you'll be sharing the links and that's what i encourage people like we have a a newsletter it's called the the escape at all hood insider and we have such a cool community of people a lot of them are homeschooling but just they're always adding we're always sharing fun ideas like this so that that's the place sign up for that it's totally free most of our best ideas come from our community yes. that then we're allowed, we share in my speaking programs and in our newsletter and things like that. So uh, we are always uh, excited to share some of the fun things that people come up with. Yeah. Because like you said, those are, they're so simple, aren't they? Um, mm-hmm. And they're so easy to do. It's not like you have to get supplies and, and get prepared or, or anything like that. It's or just permission. like a new way to look at something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like a little, a little light switch, right? In your head. It's like, mm-hmm. Oh, of course we, we can try that. We can do that. Like you said, it's, it's just getting over um, those voices in our head that say oh, that's silly. That's stupid. Mm-hmm. Don't do that. You're going to look silly, you know? Yep. They're going to think badly of you. It's like, right. Right. It, it, and yep. that's all, that's all really just in our head. And, and what you're doing to that waiter or waitress is just, you know, flicking that light a little bit for them too. Right. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> that light yeah. switch. <laughs> contagious. Yeah. It is. That's yeah. the thing is we, we do, we have that voice that says you're going to, they're going to laugh at you. They're going to mm-hmm. think weird of you, but we never stop to consider maybe we will actually be the bright part point in that person's day. Yeah. Maybe we will give them permission to do the same. Maybe we will have be that light bulb moment for them. Like, mm-hmm. why don't we consider that as just as a valid of, you know, I, I use that with like uh, car dancing, like people, mm-hmm. you car dance and then you get to the stoplight and you, you look stop. over someone staring at you yeah. and you feel embarrassed. It's like, whenever I see someone car dancing or belting out, like, you know, they're singing, I'm like, you go. Like, it makes <laughs> yes. me feel better to see them like just going for it. So I think we need to have that just, just on the same level as a valid uh, thing that could happen when we're willing to have a little bit of fun ourselves. Yeah. I love that way that ties. I talked quite a bit about, you know, when we're just living and schooling out in the world, like we have different relationships with our children. People notice that, right? Mm-hmm. We're just out there planting seeds. And for me, all the work that you're doing and these great ideas are all about like plant. Not only are they fun and freeing um, for us and bring some joy back into our world and, and just open up our perspective on things. We see more when we're more open because we're not always trying to protect ourselves you know, mm-hmm. from, from being judged by other people. Once we can kind of release that, we see so much more and we have so much more fun doing the same things. We're still going out to dinner, <laughs> right. you know, but we're playing and we're also planting seeds. Like you said, yeah. when we see it in other people, we're not judging them, but we think everybody else is judging us if we, if we do it, but no, you get out there and you plant those seeds and oh. That's so fun. I love, I love that idea. (laughs) 
Now, thank you so much, so much for chatting with me. It was such a fun conversation, guys. Thanks for making the time. Oh, it's our pleasure. Our very great pleasure to be with you. And, um, you know, it's not the home, homeschooling and unschooling. It's not something that we get to talk about all that much. So we love it because it is so passionate. And to, not, and to be able to talk to an audience that is interested in it is exciting because, yeah. again, you don't have to worry so much about Oh, I don't want to offend them or what? It's just, yeah. it's very passionate for us. And it's something that I, I can see us doing even more as we go forward as being an ambassador in, in some way for that. So thank you for having us. For thanks sure. for the work that you do, Pam. Yes. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And thanks again. And please uh, tell us the links. And I mean, I'll put them all in the show notes, but let us know where people can connect with you guys online. Yeah, and you can go to us. <laughs> Yeah, you can go to escapeadulthood.com. That's our, our home base where we have everything. Um, on the social media channels, it's pretty much the same. It's Escape Adulthood. And we also have a cool uh, new community that we just launched um, at escapeadulthood.me. And it's what we call our Escape Adulthood League. And it's a free community of people from all over the world who are sharing their tips and ideas. And we actually recently just um, started a homeschooling group within it. So we're hoping that maybe people um, that are listening to this will jump into that group and talk about how does adultitis sneak into homeschooling and unschooling and what are some of our um, stories to share and things like that. So um, we invite people to, to check us out uh, there as well. So uh, yeah, that's, that's the big thing. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for asking. <laughs> Oh, no problem at all. And I, I I, love all the stuff that you guys have been doing. And, and your art is amazing, Jason. <laughs> oh. I really enjoyed looking at, looking at that for, for ages. So yes, I encourage anyone who's interested at all to go check their stuff out. I think it's awesome. And you guys have a wonderful day. Thanks, Thanks. Pam. You too, Pam. Thanks for listening. I hope you found it helpful. You might also like the backlist episodes at livingjoyfully.ca forward slash podcast. While you're there, be sure to check out the third book in my Living Joyfully with Unschooling series, Life Through the Lens of Unschooling. This book is a wide array of essays drawn from my blog that shed light on the day-to-day -day lives of unschooling families. You'll find essays tackling everything from learning to read to visiting relatives, all organized around nine keywords that have been woven into the fabric of our unschooling lives. Deschooling, learning, days, parenting, relationships, family, lifestyle, unconventional, and perspective. The theme is life, the lens, unschooling. Until next time, have fun living and learning with your family.